You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience here at Conservative Review, powered by Westwood One Podcast Network. This is your respite from the Twilight Zone, your one-stop shop of independent conservative thought. Really, one of its kind, especially in this era when we need independence, we need intuition, we need an agenda, we need a forward-looking agenda. And how appropriate today, on Monday, October 8th, it's actually Columbus Day, talking about thinking outside of your intellectual ghetto, your your confined imagination, that maybe there's something that lies beyond what is put on your plate, what you're accustomed to thinking about, something new to discover, new ideas, new strategies, new insights. And that's what we're always looking to do here at the conservative conscience. Um, you know, Columbus said... Uh, supposedly said at some point, by prevailing over all obstacles and distractions, one may unfailingly arrive at his chosen goal or destination. What is our goal? What is our destination? As Americans, as constitutionalists, as conservatives, what are our goals? And once you identify those goals, that ultimate destination, you can identify well, what are the obstacles, and very importantly, what are the distractions that veer my ship off course? Is our goal having Republicans win, any Republican, just Republicans win November 7th? And some of you might say yes, and then that's, that's, that's fine. Okay. Well, what's our goal beyond that? Well, having Republicans win two years later next November. Well, who are these Republicans? I mean, who, who, which ones? And over and beyond that, well, what's our goal? What's our goal on debt, which is getting worse by the day? What's our goal on health care, which is getting worse by the day? What's our goal on immigration, which at least the cumulative effects of bad immigration policy, sanctuaries, criminal aliens, legal aliens, chain migration is getting worse by the day, the drugs, the gangs, the crime. What's our goal? What issues do we care about? You know, I'm often accused, and certainly the last couple of days, of being the fly in the punch bowl, the skunk at the party. Daniel, come on. Why, why, why can't we just celebrate? We, I, I just want to own the libs, and we, we had such a good victory. And I, I'm startled by this because my point and many of you know this, those of you who have been longtime listeners, but I think it's worth reiterating to our newer listeners, we're growing by the week, that I'm an eternal optimist. And that's why I'm so impatient when we don't see the plays before us. You know, when you have a victory, particularly after losing almost everything, on every policy issue and having so many wayward 
and duplicitous Republicans. You got to seize the victory. You got to seize the moment. You got to follow up with it. The best victories are the ones that are turned into routes for the other side because you followed up on it. Had, you know, had Stonewall Jackson gotten his wish to take 10,000 men to take Washington after Manassas, Bull Run, that's likely the only opportunity they had to win the war. Because I'm focused on the war, not just one skirmish that the media puts on our plate. As important as you think it was, and that's my goal here. It's not to downplay the victory. It's to say precisely it was a victory, and there's so many things to learn from it that we need to focus on. Not, oh, just focus on the liberal reaction and comment on it. But what is it we want to do? So we have out our first article today, six lessons Republicans should take from the Kavanaugh victory, but probably won't. And you could read it there. We'll go through some of it. We started this on Friday's show. So this will be kind of a continuation. But that's the thing. There's something wrong if you're down four touchdowns. And you make a good running play. So it's one play on one drive to get one first down when you're still down four touchdowns with not much time to go. When I say down, I mean both for this election, you know, the polls are looking better, but you have to understand they were down Watergate levels with the demographics district by district, um, certainly in the House, governor's races, state legislatures. So it will take a lot to close that gap. Um, there's a lot of ground to make up. And, and like I said before, even if they have a better Senate map on the House, just the districts that, that are in play in blue states where you have terrible or almost non-existent Republican statewide candidates, and that really swamps you down ballot, they're going to lose. So even if your goal is not conservatism, not conservative policy, but just Republicans winning, you know, let's follow up on that. Let's follow up on that. And that's why I'm so impatient. You know, you, you have, I don't know, you have a successful running play, and then you get the ball, and there's a man down the field. You could throw the ball to him. You could score a touchdown, and you just don't do it. I'm like, dude, you got to do it. You got to do it. Don't be caught up on, oh, look, we ran that play. We had a six-yard running play. Ha-ha, we really beat the libs. While there's a man open downfield to make an even better play right now. Make it. Where's our destination? Where's our goal? What do we seek to discover? Where is our modern-day Christopher Columbus? You know, President Trump, over at a rally for Chris Kobach, which is one of the races we absolutely need to win for governor of Kansas, although the courts will stop everything he wants to do, but you want to talk about stolen sovereignty, he's your man. He said, Republicans believe in the rule of law, not the rule of mob. You know I've been saying for months, I think that is the messaging that will win back suburban voters. I think that is the messaging they not only need to campaign on, but actually need to govern on. And you tie together the liberal political violence to their policy violence, sanctuary cities and things like that, and the gangs and the drugs. Tie it in. 
What do I mean by this? I, I, I floated this idea. And, you know, I've been on the phone with some congressmen trying to talk to some staff at the White House. Keep in mind, you know, because I'm independent-minded, I've, you know, squelched a lot of, uh, you know, I well, preemptively ruined or after the fact ruined a lot of relationships because I'd rather speak the truth to you and not lie and tell you what I actually think rather than be on the good side of people that I could otherwise have relationships with. But I'm trying to get my message out, my plan here, which I think is is a three-for-one plan for Mitch McConnell to announce or Donald Trump to announce that they are keeping the Senate in for most or all of October, right up, right up through November 7th. Unlike in the House, the Senate map is such that almost all of those who are vulnerable and are sitting members are Democrats. Now, you know I personally don't think nominees is all that matters. I've laid out the case through hours upon hours of shows thousands upon thousands of written words, written essays, columns, my book, why the courts are irremediably broken, the lower courts, the legal profession, why we're not going to change the courts fundamentally from what they're doing because the left is getting even more aggressive and successful with their forum shopping. And I believe that Roberts and maybe even Kavanaugh himself and maybe some others will be more reluctant to overturn the lower courts because they so badly want to quote, save the institutional integrity of the Supreme Court, at least relative to what the political class thinks it is. But nonetheless, I I submit that our voters, our base is convinced, because Republicans have successfully doped them up on political fentanyl, that all that matters is you vote Republican because they confirm judges. Okay, fine, fine. So indulge me here. I'm trying to strategize based on their own game. There's other judicial nominees that are left on the table, and then also there's even more executive nominees that are left on the table. Put it this way. Trump doesn't even have a nominee, an assistant attorney general for the Civil Rights Division of DOJ. Vitally important. I could go on and on, department by department. There has never been an administration that has been this understaffed this late into the presidency. Now, you know what that means when we say they're understaffed. That means that it's not like it's not staffed. That means it's staffed by an Obama holdover. So, I mean, what I'm saying right now is universal. Everyone on the right agrees to that. I mean, no one disagrees uh, that that is vitally important. So why not – You know, the whole excuse is, well, there's not enough time. There's not enough time. So make the time. Why are you always on vacation? You're on vacation then you know, most of August. You know, they stayed in a little bit more, come in a little bit in September, and then now they're gone until after the election. Really? Bring them back in, and you kill three birds with one stone. Number one, you chew up more of the clock – to get more of your nominees through. Number two, 
you force another fight and focus over nominees. And the Democrats will now have to start fighting individual human beings. It's not just an abstract issue. These are people. And they're going to have to start digging up stuff on them. Again, it's not as dramatic as a Supreme Court pick, but then the public's going to be like, hey, there you go again. Put them in a bind. And number three, you take the Democrats off the campaign trail. Tester, Nelson, Manchin, McCaskill, Heidkamp, potentially a couple more. Almost all the challengers are Republicans or, you know, where the Republican seats, you know, for example, in Tennessee, it's Marsha Blackburn. She's in the House. She's not in the Senate yet. Or what's her name in Arizona? Um, Martha McSally. You know, so it wouldn't affect them. One person it might affect is Ted Cruz, but let's face it, I mean, Ted's not going to lose. I guess Dean Heller in Nevada would be one liberal Republican anyway. But overwhelmingly, it would hurt the Democrats. What are the Democrats supposed to do? Oh, how dare you govern? Uh, we, need to, we need time to campaign. I mean, really? It's a perfect... So either Democrats would be forced to cede the time back and go back on the campaign trail, but then at the very least, so it, maybe we won't have a massive fight over this, but then, okay, you get your noms. And if they make the fight, the fight in itself would help the Republicans with the with election results and also take dem, vulnerable Democrats off the campaign trail. Why am I the only one thinking of these ideas? And, and this is not even like, oh, you know, here's a strategy on immigration. Here's a strategy on opioids. Here's a strategy on, on um, health care. Here's a strategy on spending. Here's a strategy on foreign policy and terrorism and sovereignty and election law. No. I'm working within their own rationale that Republicans were created just to confirm nominees. And, and, it, and, and it's vitally important that Republicans, any Republican, including the Susan Collins types, win the election. Okay. So then do it. Because, you know, I, I've been trying to figure this out, and, and this is a little bit of an uncomfortable thought. I'm a little bit hoarse because I've been having a lot of these conversations with friends of mine, just talking on the phone endlessly, strategizing, plotting. And, you know, I was asking one friend of mine who would literally be in the top five of people that I plan to have at this constitutional convention style meeting. Um, You know, he he made the following point to me, and it really is so true. It really is so true. The the big question politically really is, why is it that Republican voters, and really I I believe it doesn't have to be this way, but it's just they're acculturated to it by conservative punditry and Republican thought leaders. They have such low expectations of what they expect from Republicans relative to what the Democrat expects base expects and indeed gets and secures from their party. Name me one Democrat, name me one Democrat anywhere that fundamentally accepts the premise of the Republican Party platform on a single major policy issue. Don't tell me Joe Manchin because he really doesn't. It's not like Joe Manchin voted against Democrat nominees. He voted to confirm Sotomayor and um, 
Kagan and all the radical leftist lower court judges we're seeing now wreak havoc. And again, even this one act of dissent, he only did because he wasn't the the deciding vote. He was a second vote after that. And every single county in his state voted for both Romney in 2012 and Trump in 2016. There's no Republican who's even elected in equivalent enemy territory. You have Susan Collins in Maine, but Trump almost won it. It's pretty close. I'm saying it's nowhere near as blue as what West Virginia has become red. They don't have dinos. Yet, I was about to say, you know, name me, on the other hand, how many Republicans subscribe to Democrat premises on major issues. Well, that's not a good question because it's all of them. It's name me how many Republicans do not subscribe to the Democrat platform on major policy issues. Even from red states. You know, if the guy's halfway decent on healthcare, he sucks on immigration. If he's good on immigration, he's bad on that. We, we, we can't get anything. Why is it like that? Why is it that if the Democrats had one one-hundredth of the perfidy of the betrayal from their members, even from enemy territory states, much less their own base states, they would primary them successfully in three seconds, yet we don't? There's a, there's a reason for that. If, if you watch everything the Democrats do, there's religious fervor to it. They believe it. The most religious people in this country are the left. And now you know what I mean. I'm saying that word kind of tongue-in-cheek. When I say religious, I mean when you have abstract beliefs in something greater than just, you know, tangible quest for, you know, money, wealth, fame, whatever. Your soul, so to speak, is speaking to you. Now, it could be the satanic part of your soul. Might not be the good inclination. Democrats speak to the morality of their immorality. I mean, a friend of mine had noted recently that I'm one of the only writers on the right that speaks to the morality of the issue. Whatever the issue is. I have a lot of data and facts, very packed with a lot of meat and potatoes in my in all my articles. But I'll speak to the morality of it. It's immoral to have open borders the way we have. It's immoral to have a healthcare system that empowers a cartel monopoly to destroy innovation and competition. It's immoral to hurt chronic pain patients and cut off their opioid prescriptions in order to cover for the true problem, which is drug cartels and illicit drugs in sanctuary cities. I'm going to have a big article on that coming out soon. See, our side, the, the church in this country is just very sick. The religious people in this country and a lot of the institutions aren't as religious, so to speak, as the left is. So the left, they'll understand like, hey, if we're not getting our victory, we're not getting it. And we need to make sure we get it. Our side will be happy with a one sacrifice fly per game and go home. And due to, like, there's more work to be done. 
See, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, you know I believe in it. A lot of colleagues will say similar things, but they clearly don't believe in it. When I say Obamacare is going to destroy private practice in America, I'm really scared about that. I really believe in that. So therefore, if I believe in that, it requires me to wake up every day and think of strategies and policies within the realm of the doable and the achievable based on the demographics we have, the political constraints we have, to think of various different gradations of levels of how, you know, okay, ideally this policy would be best. Maybe it's not as achievable. Let's try this. We're not winning it. Almost every Republican supports the left-wing premise on healthcare, on immigration. Therefore, my next step is, oh my gosh, we need a new party or we need better Republicans. We need better strategies of how to reform the primary system. I'm never lacking for ideas because when you believe this, this, this cannot stand, it's wrong, it's, it's bad, it's going to harm people, you can't let it stand. But if this is just a political spectator, yeah, Obamacare sucks when Republicans are, are in the minority. Oh, but now they're in power and they're not doing anything about it, and I'm too lazy to fight them, and I'm too scared to lose my relationships. So uh, let's move on to the next thing. How about that Kavanaugh victory? Okay, well, lovely, fine. I actually believe in it, but at the same time, I'm an optimist. I believe the lesson from the Kavanaugh fight is that the left is so unhinged. They're so out ahead of where even this transformed educational system and transformed demographics of society is that if we actually had a party that had a sharp contrast, we could win. I understand most people are not as conservative or as religious as I am or most of of, of you in the audience. But they sure as heck are not where the left is. And because of that, I think I agree the left is unhinged. But rather than focused on, oh, the left is unhinged, we need to own the left, just be one notch away from the left and focus on the left, focus on what we want to focus on and make the left get even crazier on our stuff. Do this on other issues. The lesson is when the left comes barking, You know, anyone knows this with a barking dog. If you run away, it will chase you and catch up to you. You got to hold your ground. Do this on other issues. Oh, we can't win. Oh, I'm scared. Separating of families. Really? You talk about separating American families in the grave from all the criminal aliens and the drugs. There was enough fentanyl that was caught by ICE and DEA in this Lawrence, Lawrence, Massachusetts is a sanctuary city among the many sanctuaries in, in Massachusetts, had enough fentanyl from this criminal alien Mexican and Dominican um, drug cartels to wipe out half of the Bay State. Talk about separating families. No one speaks like this. Get on the Senate floor. Get on the Sunday show. Speak like this. Push the policies. Bring Congress back in session. Hold votes on sanctuary cities. And, and run Willie Horton-style ads tied together with their violence, lawlessness, as Donald Trump himself said. Republicans believe in the rule of law, not the rule of mob. Do it. Don't just, like, thumb suck and go home. That's why I'm so impatient, because I believe... You know, I have some friends of mine who, who don't believe that. They believe all is lost. I'm not one of those. 
That's why I'm doing this. If I did, I would, I would pick a different career. I couldn't BS you. I'm not going to BS you and tell you I think, look, as late as the late 80s, Ronald Reagan was still militating the case against the entire foundation of the New Deal. I'm here before you to tell you that I, I have, I'm under no illusion that we're going to completely get rid of the foundation of the New Deal. We're just not. What we push here, I believe, is very achievable on healthcare and other things. You know, part of what is so hopeful, and, and but at the same time so damn frustrating that we're so distracted that we don't seize this hope and opportunity. Republicans could engage in four-dimensional chess if they wanted to precisely because they've been so weak for the last two generations, and particularly the last few years. They could turn their sour lemons into sweet lemonade. How? Part of what you see from um, the lesson of the Kavanaugh fight is there's a major rope-a-dope strategy. Now, Republicans didn't strategize this. This happened organically. Republicans won this fight because they had the fight. They only had the fight because Democrats picked the fight. Democrats only picked the fight because Republicans are so pathetically weak. And in the the minds of the Democrats, they caved so much that they felt that they could have this fight. If you had a normal, healthy party, they would have never thought that you could ever throw at someone when there's no evidence you could throw something like this. Which is why, like, I almost thought until the very end, I was, like, wondering, hey, do they have something more on him? I couldn't imagine this is what they, they, would, they would do all of this with absolutely nothing. But they did because, like I said before, it, it wasn't like a no-brainer. I mean, this was teetering very close. It was only because he was an establishment hack, and that's who he is, I don't mean he's not. I don't mean he's a bad person, Kavanaugh. I just mean you know he's he's Carl Rove in a robe. You had H. W. George W. Condoleezza Rice making calls on his behalf. Like like I said uh, on Friday's show, when establishment people are under fire, our people rally to them. When our people are under fire, they get thrown under the bus. You know, Mark Levin was very sharp against Kavanaugh. He was like, who is this guy? He's not who we want. He said he he said on the air that he's never seen such a nasty whip operation to get the nomination over other prospective choices like Amy Barrett. But nonetheless, once he was the pick and these allegations came out, nobody fought as hard as Mark Levin did in defense of him. You don't have that. From the establishment, they won't do that to our people. They'll they'll pile on. So, ironically, Republicans are only reaping the windfall of having this fight because they've been so weak. It was almost like a rope a dope. Well, what's a rope a dope? You know, there's naturally in warfare pushing back the battle lines in a natural way. You naturally take the territory you want it. You're stably holding on to it. 
But then there's a time when you're like kind of you have this blitzkrieg and you're just able to win a bunch of territory, but you're not really winning it. You're only winning it because of really egregious mistakes and fecklessness of the other side. But if that other side ever organized again, you could you you have a lot of overexposure now that you didn't have your supply lines and your fortifications catching up with the ground you're taking. <clears throat> you know, for example, like, you know, let's say you had 10,000 troops taking an area that had 100,000 troops in it. But those 100,000 troops just decided to like dope up on on meth one day and just like go to sleep. So you take the territory. Well, what if these people wake up one day? Folks, I'm here to tell you this is what I, just so there's no misunderstanding as to my agenda <clears throat> and what I'm trying to do here. Not just try to be negative. I believe there's so much we can do because I believe we can accomplish it because the Democrats over the years have taken so much ground on social and fiscal issues that I don't think they've won the public on in a durable way. They've only won it because Republicans are so perfidious and traitorous that they just allow them to take it. Ironically, I think... There's lemon lemonade to be made from these lemons if Republicans, if we if we had a movement to actually say, hey, let's get together and do this on other issues. Let's elect better better Republicans. Let's concoct a strategy beginning the day after the elections to go dis- district by district, um, you know, seat by seat, Senate by Senate seat to elect in all the red states more of a Marsha Blackburn. And I say at the very least, I, I wish we'd have more of a, you know, a, a Dave Brat. But at least a Marsha Blackburn as opposed to a John Kasich and a Susan Collins in all these races. And we fight on health care. We fight on debt. We fight on immigration. We fight on crime. We fight on safety and security, terrorism, sovereignty, Iran, which Trump is actually doing a terrific job on. But there's more Congress can do to make it an issue and pursue them on it. And paint them as pro-Iran. And you relentlessly put out ads. These people are pro-criminal. Pro-criminal alien. Pro-MS-13. Pro-Hamas. Pro-Hezbollah. But they want to ban straws. And they want to take away due process from people that are innocent. Crush them. I believe it could be the ultimate, like, you know, Hannibal. At the big battle where, you know, before... Carthage was destroyed at the big rope where they just surrounded the Roman army and just annihilated it. Democrats have that overexposure. They're nuts. I agree with my colleagues that Democrats are nuts. But the answer is rather than therefore allowing Republicans to go along with all of their nuttiness policy-wise, albeit just one policy less, And without the unhinged violence and language and ignore it and just focus on that, rally Republicans and force them and pressure them and pressure Trump and pressure McConnell and McCarthy and Ryan. And if they don't do it, pressure them, leverage primary challenges against them to actually get what we want and then destroy these very people that you say you detest. That's all I'm saying. Tell me what you find wrong with my messaging and strategy. I'm not trying to talk down victories. I'm trying to double down on them. 
and not get drunk. You know, it's the equivalent of, you know, let's say you have a long battle. The other side is 100 times more successful and powerful than you. But you win one surprising defensive victory. Defensive victory. You got a lot of, a lot to go, and you're by no means even more than 5% more likely to win that war. But you want to you battle. What's the strategy? Do you get drunk and shoot up on meth? Or do you get your army to march right here, right now, onto, onto the next battlefield while they're in retreat and disarray? In a football game, if you see the other side's getting worn out and you're making plays, do you call a timeout? Or do you run a no-huddle offense and march that ball down the field? That is what I'm doing. You know, I'm just messaging some friends here on some of these um, house races. It is going to be hard for them to hold the house. But it doesn't have, you know, a lot of these races are close. This makes a difference. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. Mitch McConnell said, I want to thank the mob because they've done the one thing that we were having trouble doing, which was energizing our base. I fell out of my chair when I saw that. I was like, hey, I, I get what McConnell's saying. It's true. But isn't that a self-indictment that every other thing you've been doing with control of all three branches has failed to excite your base? So, like, are you stupid? Don't, don't, I mean, don't you realize... Again, I'm not talking about beliefs. I know the guy has no beliefs. But don't you want to win? Like, th- this is what I don't understand. Like, you know my beliefs. That ultimately I think that if you understand this on a deep enough level, the courts are irremediably broken without completely just stripping their power, ignoring their power to force them to become humble. And I believe politically it's not going to change until we have a new party. But if you are all about Republicans winning, any Republican whether they're an MS-13 Republican or a Dave Brat, you just don't give a darn. You can't distinguish between a Dave Brat and, a, a, and Susan Collins. Fine, but don't you want to win? Here's the strategy for winning. I just, I couldn't believe it. McConnell admitted he was a turtle. Get them back in session. Remember a couple of weeks ago when everyone was like, Daniel, even some you know people that surprised me said this. You, you can't have a threat of a government shutdown and a budget fight right before an election. Like, dude, that's it precisely when you want it. And you make it over sanctuaries and gangs and drugs and the border. Mob rule. Jeez, you guys are stupid. But okay, will you have it after the election? December 7th is the next budget deadline that they kicked it to. Could we have it then? Is there any promise? Republicans are always good at somewhat coming home to the conservative messaging under duress in the final weeks before an election. Where is our strategy? Look, if you want me to shut up about after November for the next few weeks, fine. I could do that. We could talk about horse race politics the rest of the time. Fine. But it's very close. What is our strategy the day after the election? 
to actually, after two years of, of, of Congress betraying us, when they're, no matter what, going to have a slimmer House majority, even if they somehow by a miracle kept the House, by and large, as I've mentioned, we're electing even more moderate Republicans, liberal Republicans. What's the strategy to change? What is the strategy to change? I'm not seeing it. It's a two-pronged strategy. You need a movement that focuses relentlessly on every legislative policy fight opportunity. When it comes up in the news, you don't just talk about it in terms of the media. You seize the media cycle to push those policies and have a Kavanaugh-level fight over those issues. And you hold your ground. And you leverage it simultaneously with primary challenges. Right now, they don't fear us because we never do it. And what about Mississippi? Do we even give a damn about that? No. <clears throat> so that's where we are here. I'm an eternal optimist. Because... I think the Democrats have shown that, that they will overplay their hand. They just cannot help themselves. Democrats never have to fine-tune their arguments like we do because they always have the cultural institutions and the media and all the masters of the universe supporting them, and they think everyone agrees with them. So they just there's no check and balance on their behavior, and then the Republicans are so pathetic – Democrats say jump, Republicans say how high. So they're so used to it, they, they never think like, hey, is are, are we sure we got this, folks? Like, you know, is this is this good? They, they they just rush into the territory without thinking, hey, you know, is, is there an army hiding in the bushes there? Like, you know, and they just put down their arms. We could just slaughter them. That's my feeling. The hundred or so ideas I've posited over the last number of years here on an array of issues, I believe they're 100% achievable. Even, you know, in this era. Where is our, our strategy? But instead, I'm seeing the opposite. So rather than forging a path towards a Christopher Columbus-style goal, discovery, destination. What does our side do? Well, we want to own the libs. So we own the libs by owning liberal policies. Well, I guess we, you know, that's one way of owning the libs. We wake up every day, and we focus on the left, and we respond to the left. So the problem with that is that we wind up all being moved to the left. And nowhere is this more evident than with the Susan Collins business. Now, you know I was already on the verge of puking with this Lindsey Graham worship when he did when he savaged us for, you know, over a decade. And there's no evidence that he's taken this roadshow on to, to a single other issue. But okay, fine, that's Lindsay. At least he's somewhat effective and, and boisterous. But Susan Collins? I, I mean, I can't tell you how many thumb-sucking conservatives are like, 
oh, that was like Winston Churchill's speech. You know, when, when, when she uh, spoke out in favor of Kevin on the, on the Senate floor. Not only is this a case where, you know, we win one defensive skirmish, but then have our own army sabotage us in the loss of 99 others, and we're satisfied just to praise that one and with no strategy to win the other 99 and do anything about it. It's even that one victory, ironically, is coming from a terrible place. We're owning the liberal baggage. Susan Collins gave a speech. This has nothing to do with, uh, you know, justice and feelings of, you know, um, doing right by by Kavanaugh and due process. She never believed this nonsense all along. I mean, she knew it was garbage. It was all about the confidence that this guy is really a Kennedy or maybe at best a Roberts. She gave a speech saying how she is fairly confident. Now, I'd like to know how she's that confident. I mean, I don't know, but I think she's probably right that he's not going to overturn Roe. He's not going to overturn Obergefell, Obamacare. So we're sitting and cheering the speech. I mean, if there's anything more emblematic of how sick our movement and some of my colleagues are in this business, it is this anecdote. You want to say, look, I'm glad she didn't cave finally on one issue. Fine. But to praise her that effusely, when when we literally can't get a normal nominee past her, and then she votes for him only because she feels that he's not going to be what conservatives somehow think he is, that's like winning. You know, related to that, I, I forgot that this guy, um, <clears throat> this big GOP strategist, he put out on Twitter something like, you know, it was actually a Republican majority on the Supreme Court that gave marriage equality. Oh, oh okay. Like, you, you know these talking points? It was similar, remember, with crime. See, it, w- it was Republicans that let go, uh, um, you know, these drug traffickers in jail, black drug traffickers. See, Obama didn't do anything for blacks. Oh, really? Like, that's winning? I guess that's owning the libs. We own the liberal policies. I mean, I can understand if you're like, look, we we had to get this through. We certainly didn't want to lose it. Um, By hook or by crook, I'm glad any way she arrived at that decision, she voted that way. But let's not lose sight of where this is. There's a big difference between when you win based on conservatism and when you win based on the exact opposite. I mean – Imagine, imagine you have Republican senators that you know anything the Democrats want throw at them. They they they're all for, um, you know, Medicare for all. You got it. Socialized medicine, amnesty for all. You got it. Um, national mandate that every private business must violate their conscience and serve homosexual, transgender ceremonies, events, whatever. Then finally, Democrats come to a point, they come to a juncture where they're like, you know what, man, we're getting everything we want. Again, go back to my analogy of unnaturally taking this territory. Let's go a step further, and you know, we're going to mandate that two members of every family get a sex change operation in order to really spawn equality for our transgender brethren. And you have a fight over it, and Republicans oppose it, even you know, vocally. And but there's a few Republicans actually wavering on it. You know, maybe they'll actually vote for it. You know, let's see if someone like a Susan Collins. And she gets up there and gives a speech on the Senate and says, "Look, you know, 
because I, I so badly want people to get sex change operations. But you know what? Mandating this soon and this swiftly, this early on, that two per, per family have to do it, that's really going to hurt our cause because people are going to rebel. And I, I th- you know, so therefore, let's let's hold back on this so we can gradually get there. Would you praise that speech? Would that be reason that, oh, we don't need to look for a better senator or primary. And I'm not even saying, like, I was never big into primarying Susan Collins. Like, you know, because my point is if you would only go in the red states and actually get real Republicans, we would have a normal majority. We wouldn't have to worry about her. But it, but is this reason to take our toys and go home? Like, and not only take our toys and go home, but like praise them? Oh, but you don't understand. But the libs, the libs are coming after her. Good. Let the establishment take care of her. They have plenty of funds. Like, why should we use our money or prestige or breath and focus on protecting Susan Collins, why don't you focus on protecting Dave Brad and Ted Budd and Scott Perry and Rod Blum, Ron DeSantis, Chris Kobach, Mark Harris, the only the only man to actually defeat a rhino in a primary this year and I'm I seem to be the only one championing him. Like our people don't even know about it, care about it. This is how sick our movement is. So right when Susan Collins was giving the speech, I mean, I, I was literally DMing uh, Congressman Thomas Massey because you know he was making comments about this, and then he was texting me at the same time. And then I figured, you know, I'm just going to pick up the phone and call him because I, I hate, I hate texts. I, I just like talking to someone normally. And we just schmoozed forever on on Friday. We were just commiserating about the state of of this movement and everyone just praising Susan Collins, um, this hero worship. You have to have some sense of proportion. Why are our expectations so low? I understand it's rare to have a victory and you want a victory, but let's make it a real victory. Let's make... There's no point in winning a battle if you lose the war. Let's make the win in the battle strategic and important and impactful enough that it helps us towards becoming a battle of Midway and Carl C. and Guadalcanal so we could actually close in and not just being some hollow victory. And of course, let's understand, as I noted last week on our shows, even as it relates to the issue of the courts, what the left is doing is more impactful and destructive than ever. So you have to update your tactics. See, the left never they, – they do not um, rest. They will always adapt to the circumstances because the left is like Christopher Columbus. They have a goal. They set sail and they have a goal. If they get blown off course – They'll adapt to get back on course. If we get blown off course, well, first of all, we don't have a destination. Get blown off course, like it becomes a hey, there, there's some nice uh, palm trees on that island there. Let's let's go there. Let's check it out. You know, that's what we do. We're so distracted, as Columbus said. Can't get distracted when you have a real goal, but you have to have a goal in order not to get distracted. So, you know, for 60 years, the Supreme Court was an organ for the left, a primary vehicle for societal transformation. Now they see that 
Now, look, I would argue, you know, my view is that the Supreme Court is not really going to reverse most of the bad stuff, but I understand how the left would perceive that, and, you know, some of it is kind of true, that it's unlikely that a majority with Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and even Roberts joining Alito and Thomas, that they're going to advance new bad rulings. And, and I think that that's significant, and I'm, I'm not going to play that down from our perspective. But all they're going to do is... And they're doing it more than ever. And then, like I talked about last week, all these immigration cases, they're going to lower courts. And that's it. And this is where the mentality behind Roberts and Kavanaugh, what I believe is going to be Kavanaugh, makes sense. That I don't expect bad rulings, although, I mean, Roberts has had a ton of them. But let's just. You know, given that that Kavanaugh won't have bad rulings, Gorsuch won't have bad rulings. Again, Gorsuch already had a tremendously bad ruling with criminal aliens, giving them due process against deportation, something that has never been done 200 years of our history. Make it very hard to deport people. But they're going to be very sensitive about swiftly taking up these cases. I think if you that's the difference. If you had five Clarence Thomases, they take a look at what the lower courts are doing, and Clarence Thomas already indicated, like, what the heck? I mean, this needs to be reversed immediately. We're going to grant cert. I don't care if we need to work overtime. We're not only going to hear 60 cases this year. If we have to hear 200 cases, we'll, we'll hear 200. They're not going to do that because the left is already delegitimizing the Supreme Court, and now I'm fine with that. As long as we delegitimize lower court supremacy too, certainly that should be delegitimized. And let's just go back to what it should be, that if a court wants to render an opinion in a case and have that be binding as broad precedent and consequence on a broadly political issue outside of those cases and controversies, you know, it's only as effective as the persuasiveness of their opinion. And other branches in the society at large is free to push back against that. That's how it should be. If the left wants to do that, I don't think we should stop them. I think we should embrace that. But we don't have a, a movement and a party making that play. But it's just like another point I want to make just about low expectations, low information, just this political morphine that we dope our people up. You know, my um, good friend, uh, a good friend of mine always um, catches me. Uh, after services on Saturday, he always wants to know, like, all oh, the latest and greatest. And he's like, Daniel, this Kavanaugh stuff, this is, I mean, we're going to have a red wave. And, and, like, and look, it's coming from a good place. He believes in the same things I believe, but, you know, it's just like he doesn't get it. And I tell him, I, I, I say, you know, you know, you, it's important, it's better having him than not having him than having a seat vacant. But, you know, you recognize we need a party that, needs to do a lot more in the judiciary and, and, and until we have such a party and work towards that party, you know, and elect the right Republicans, um, you know, they're actually being more successful than ever in, in implementing their agenda in the lower courts. And, you know, meanwhile, I was like, oh, I don't care what Republicans, just, just, I, I would just want to elect Republicans. I just want to keep that. Well, okay, but Fine. What happens after November? And it was a very frustrating conversation. He's a friend of mine, but I would imagine he's very much similar to what most Republican voters think and have grown accustomed to thinking based on watching Fox News and listening to most talk radio show hosts or wherever else they get their news. 
And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. But then there was one interesting point where it was like, well, Daniel, and this, everyone knows about this. So you have the um, morphine of, you know, all the a majority on the Supreme Court. But then, you know, enough of our base knows about this talking point that, well, what do you mean? Hasn't he made a lot of, um, you know, lower court appointments? And, and you know, especially now we're going to have a red wave and he's shooing to win a second term. Now, I'm not making fun out of that. I'm not suggesting he's necessarily going to lose. But, I mean, you, for, for us to think that it's guaranteed he's going to win a second term, it's, a lot could happen. But anyway, um, come on, we're, we're going to remake the lower courts too. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how do I give this over to you? I don't want to sound arrogant, but like, this is the problem with our people. And I don't blame laymen for not knowing this, but I blame those who work in this business and put out these talking points, and they should know better. you got to look at the details. Which seats is he filling? Which ones are retiring? Which circuits? And again, this is not a criticism of Trump. It's not a, he, he, he gets the picks he gets. But I'm just saying, don't lie to yourself. That's the point. Don't lie to yourself and, and tell me fool yourself into thinking that you took this battlefield when you didn't take it. Well, what's the difference? Well, why can't it be high on, on meth? Well, because we need to take the battlefield. And if you think you took it, you're not going to concoct and propose and implement the strategy needed to take it because you think you already did. Most of, there's a couple of exceptions, but most of the ones we're filling are the best people because they're the ones retiring. They figure, wow, Trump's appointing good guys, so let me retire now. Um, when I have the opportunity so my seat doesn't get flipped. Whereas the liberals are, you know, there were one or two that died. Inevitably, some are going to die. But most of the time, it's retirements. They will hold that seat until they're carried out in a coffin, not just Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, but even the lower courts. You know, until now, you, you had less of this on the lower courts than the Supreme Court, you know, where people would literally alter their life plans and the retirement just for political reasons that they so badly don't want you know a member of the other party filling their seat that they'd rather not retire you know retirement is you, know, you got to live your life and you know you might have beliefs but whatever i mean you have to understand the put yourself in the shoes of a liberal circuit court judge they think trump is hitler i mean these people in the legal profession they're not going to retire and they're not in fact, the ones we're filling are some of the best seats that we lost. So we better hope that the picks – and the picks are largely good from Trump. Um, but we better hope that they're just as good because otherwise they're not even getting par. Of course, in nominal terms, it's going to make a difference. And every year he's president, it's going to get a little better. But the point is, just in the 4th, ninth, and D.C. circuits – and the D.C. circuit is the second most important court – they have that for for two generations. Even if Trump has two terms, that will not change. You could take that to the bank. I mean, unless there's a rash of people dying. But um, you know, the overwhelming majority on the DC circuit are, are Obama appointees and they're younger. This, this is just horse race. It's just fact. I mean, it's not ideology. It's just like, don't lie to yourself. I understand that your average person, even a lot of average people with a law degree or whatever, don't necessarily follow this or know this. You know, your average voter, I get it. People in our business who sit in this behind a microphone like I do or write columns, 
you, you should study this. It's not that hard. You know, most of you have normal jobs for a living. I don't. So I figure at least I'll make the most of this and actually try to learn things and not fool people. So you could call me an Eeyore, but an Eeyore is someone who just, you know, doesn't have any prospective optimism. I have a lot of it. I'm so down because I'm so up because I have so many good ideas I think we can and should implement. But if you dope yourself up and numb your senses and you think you won already, even while the left is winning on almost every issue and it's getting worse, because we're not updating our tactics, then what's the point? That needs to be our attitude after the Kavanaugh thing. The Kavanaugh thing is good because it shows, yes, you can beat them. Yes, when you stand united and don't agree to their premise, and in every venue you have to disseminate information, you speak the truth, and then the left gets insane, and that hurts them, do it, do it again. Do it on other issues. That's the lesson. I wanted to learn today. And I hope some of you at least just have a broader perspective of what I'm trying to accomplish here and why I think it's constructive. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, see, you know, I was just about to end. And then I look at my Twitter account and I see Mark Mark Simone, you know, he's a New York uh, radio show host. Oh, you you got to be kidding me. <sighs> See, okay, okay. If you haven't gotten my point this entire hour, you're going to get it now. You might be wondering, okay, what difference does it make what their motivations are, where they're headed, what the deal is? At the end of the day, they stood up strong here, and I got to praise them. But what I'm telling you is important as to where this is headed. There's a reason for it. Mark Simone puts out a tweet. President Trump just moments ago on his way to play golf with Senator Lindsey Graham, our next attorney general. (sighs) I don't know. That's the problem. When you define conservatism not as an end to itself, but by at any given moment your response to what the libs are doing you wind up owning the libs, meaning owning lib policies. Look, I know some of you might be disappointed in sessions with the Mueller stuff, but I mean, what the guy has been doing on immigration, crime, and religious liberty, just think about Attorney General uh, Lindsey Graham for a minute. This This is why we're playing with live ammo. This is not just, you know, semantics. At the end of the day, if you want him for attorney general recessions, at the end of the day, if you want him as senator from South Carolina, rather than more of a Jim DeMinn type, you're missing the boat. Forget about a voyage and a destination. You don't even have a boat. And that's our question today. Are we going to have a boat and a destination like Christo- Christopher Columbus did to discover this continent? We need one to rediscover Americanism, rediscover and restore our republic. It's not going to be enough just to respond to the libs because that's going to move us all to the left but still keep us numb 
and satisfied with one or two defensive victories on the way inexorably to seeding that ground as well to the left. Um, that is just, no, no, that's, that's just a bridge too far. Well, in addition to a boat, I will tell you folks that you need a bed because you can't have any destination in life, any dreams in life. If you don't dream well at night, if you don't sleep well, I want you guys to go to purple.com. Purple.com has stood with us for a long time. And it should tell you something just before we get to the product. Just the fact that advertisers are willing to deal with me. <laughs> you know, that they're willing to put their um, name on someone who's not just a conservative anti-establishment, but someone who's not even part of any other tribe. It's willing to challenge everyone. Go to purple.com and watch their video. They're really, I mean, they're really cool people. They're also very funny. And they show the science behind their mattresses. It is different than any other mattress you've ever slept on. It feels like you're on air, but it feels like you're being solidly supported at the same time. If you go and order your mattress with promo code Daniel, promo code Daniel, you get a free pillow, which in and of itself is worth it. You should also look at their cushions. I'm sitting on my seat cushion from Purple right now, and that's really what stopped a lot of my issues just from sitting behind a desk so much. Um, just amazing, amazing products that, that they have. They have several different products you want to check out, but with all of them, you get the free pillow with promo code Daniel. And the important thing is, if if you feel this is above your budget for now, Here's what I'd advise. You have nothing to lose with a 100-night absolute free trial, free shipping, so you don't shell out a penny. And if for whatever reason you're crazy enough to want to return it, you could return it, and the returning return shipping is free, and you know you, your credit card will not be charged. 100-night free trial. But if you like it, which I think you will, you get a 10-year warranty there afterwards. Purple mattresses, the most scientifically built, the softest yet firmest mattresses in America, and I must say, most importantly, the most conservative mattress in America. Get yourself a bed, get yourself a boat, get yourself a mission, get yourself a destination. Let's strike while the iron is hot and actually improve and build upon the rare victories we get. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 